Welcome to the Empowered Women's Podcast. If you're looking for the answers around complex relationship, dating, marriage, and breakup issues, then keep it locked as this is your operation manual to relationship success. We are available to listen to on six different podcast platforms for you to stream, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, releasing a new show every Monday morning. We are one of the few relationship podcasts on the planet that interviews the most qualified relationship coaches, marriage counsellors, authors on love, and psychologists around the world. If you have had enough of one toxic connection after another, then hit the subscribe or plus button to be the first to know when a new episode has been released. Today, I welcome Master Joshua and Karma Said. The Master Joshua is a professional dominant, also known as a male dominatrix, and a non-traditional sexual behaviours consultant. He's a facilitator, educator, event promoter and host and spiritual counsellor. In one-on-one sessions, Joshua guides his clients towards self-acceptance, empowering them to gain control of and become active participants in their own lives. I also welcome his sex slave and partner, Karma Said, as the pair engage in a polyamorous relationship. Karma is a kink reporter, publisher and a happily married mother of two. She is also the author of Surviving Master Joshua, which is the BDSM memoir of an unfaithful wife. That was published in April of 2022. So as reviewed on Amazon, one reader said, I read this book cover to cover in a single day. I couldn't put it down. The author writes so beautifully and gives a portion of her soul in the words within these pages. This is a journey into the secret underground culture and you now have a front row seat. Born of lies and betrayal, ultimately their story is one of uplifting personal transformations. It also showcases a lifestyle of one of the most sensationalized and misunderstood factions of the LGBTQA plus community. And with that, I wanted to welcome both Master Joshua and Karma on the air. So guys, hello, and thanks for being on the air today to share your story with the audience. Thank Thank you you for a thorough introduction. (laughs) Well, I wanted to give it the gratitude that it needed. So I guess let's just start with how did you two meet? Well, I was a journalist working for a conservative outlet, working on a story that had to do with the kink scene. And Master Joshua here was research. The topic was BDSM and religion. Yes. And Master Joshua was my source and my entrance point into the world. He brought me into the first party I was going to report on. And he introduced me to the participants of that party who were the topic of my story and also to the world itself. But really from very early on from that party, it became clear to me that my interest in this world and kink and BDSM Mm. goes a little beyond the professional, as does my interest in him. Yeah, sure. Which, Which was a big problem being that I was married plus two and a handsome professional dominant with years of experience in BDSM is not usually a key component of a steady monogamy. Did he take you by surprise with his character? Because do you think that there might be a stigma around what a male dominatrix could be like? And was there something about him that kind of took you by surprise? Yes, completely. I was not really guided by the stigma of what a male dominatrix might be like because I had no idea at all. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a male dominatrix. His character did take me by surprise simply because it was so uh, absorbing. In a way, he's a very warm, outgoing, friendly, tending to laughter person. He's just very easy to be around and there's no sense of, I am the master, Mm. power before me. Well, you know, usually. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, Upon meeting him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joshua, I wanted to to kind of come back to you, Joshua. So what actually initially attracted you to this lifestyle? Just the expansion beyond sex. I started having sex at an early age. I started having sex at 12. By the time I was in my mid-20s, I had done a lot of stuff and I had already been an anchor point for a lot of people's own journeys around sexuality. I was the go-to guy. So it's like, I was always looking for the next thing to do. And BDSM came into my lap. And from there, I found so much out about connection and relationships in this process that I realized 
the intense, crazy sex is only a byproduct of the connections. It's like mm-hmm. we cover, we disguise connection and relationship and trust and integrity under the guise of crazy, wild sex. Mm-hmm. Because in order to access that, I've got to trust you. Mm-hmm. I've got to feel safe with you. I've got to feel seen and heard, right? There's bars that have to be met. So if you want to do the crazy things with me, you have to be very vulnerable. Sure. I'm going to fast forward and then we'll come back because I just, I want to ask the questions as I come organically too. Obviously you're engaged in a polyamorous connection. So Joshua, you've got other partners and Karma, you're married. Do you ever gravitate towards one person more than the other? Or do you love everyone the same, but for different reasons? I would say it's a rotation, kind of like seasons. Yes, you gravitate from when you're angry with one person, you gravitate towards That's the other. Yeah. <laughs> when one person is being an asshole, you kind of like pull to the other. Yeah. That's I guess no dessert for me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say you're being that. No, no, no. no. It's that guilt. That's guilt. <laughs> so that's how I sense it is on all levels. But that's kind of like how life works in general, right? Sure. You have friends. It's not about dissing somebody or being a jerk to somebody because you have another partner. It's more like sometimes it's just like with friends, right? Sometimes you feel really close to one friend and another one kind of drifts away, but then the other one has something changed in their life and suddenly you're best buds again. And so it's a little bit like that, though everybody stays committed and in place according to their commitments as, in my case, my commitment as wife doesn't change no matter how I feel at that moment in regards to either of my partners. And the same as my commitments as slaves do not change no matter how I feel in regards to either of them. Sure. Yeah, Is it the same I, uh, for you? I have to agree. But also, I can't say I argue a lot because I spend a lot of time inside my head. I'm still trying to discover myself in life, right? So what I do is I get to share experiences and opportunities and perspectives with folks and depending with any of my partners at any time and depending on the reception, depending on what they're going through or where they're at, it may not gel with where I'm at right now. Mm. And for that, I give space for them to go through whatever process they're going through. And it's not like I'm stepping away, but I'm putting my attention where it can feed as opposed to empty. Sure. And I like that. There's still loyalty there. But you sort of gravitate in and out. And that's the ebb and flow of life, isn't it? It's sort of similar in my situation at times with friendships in particular. For no particular reason, some friends drift and you haven't even had an argument. It's not so much about the connection, but it has a lot to do with what they're going through individually. And for whatever reason, at that point, there's just less focus on the friendship itself. And I guess it's just allowing that space too. But Kama, I guess what turns you on about this lifestyle? What part of yourself has Master Joshua awakened within you? I guess until I came across this lifestyle and everything it entails, both sexually and emotionally and in regards to the relationships that are involved, I was kind of living off a default script, as in this was life and it was a kind of predefined for me and marriage was the predefined format of relationships and how we operate within it. There was sort of a limited choice, like a salad buffet. (laughs) So you get a few choices of how you do it and a few characters you can play, like in a sitcom. You got like five key characters that you can play. And there's sort of a limited variation on the the options you can choose from. And that's life, right? You kind of go through it like that. And coming into the kink scene and meeting Master Joshua kind of blew that wide open for me because it went against every rule in the book. Mm. And also it showed me the rules in the book are not defining of what I want, what I feel. There's feelings I never felt before. And Mm. discovering you've been living on a limited spectrum of what you can feel is in itself a huge shocker that makes you both aware and hungry for more experiences. Welcome to this short ad break. Not sure if you're aware, but I'm a personal trainer and have been for years now. So if you like the idea of training and being educated on how to eat for better health, then maybe it's time to hire me as your personal coach. You can start feeling confident, self-assured and healthy again 
so you can attract the best kinds of lovers and friendships into your life today. You can apply for online or face-to-face coaching with me where I will take you through a hybrid fitness system that covers the three pillars to success, where I take you through the deep work of mindset principles and help you achieve breakthroughs, guide you to understand meal preparation for your goals and customize your weight training program to help you build a healthy physique that you can be proud of. Find the application link in the show notes of this episode. Back to the show. Do you think that in marriage and monogamy, I was listening to a coach today and he really pointed out something important. For example, some of the reasons why partners stray is because they get into this monogamous situation and then the other partner stops giving the sexually hungry partner sex. And it's like, well, I didn't particularly sign up for this. You know, just because we're married doesn't mean I'm always going to be around if you stop being the lover that I fell in love with initially. The sex is such an important component of a connection and marriage. And I think some people think that once you get married, you can just kind of kick back and it'll happen whenever and stuff like that. So does being with Master Joshua, has it in a way saved your marriage at all? Honestly, I can't tell. It definitely redefined my marriage. It definitely challenged it and reshaped it and called something from the depths that would not have been discovered otherwise, as in it tested. It became a make or break point and my marriage did not break. So it was made by it. But I can't say it saved my marriage because I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Looking at it from where I'm at, I don't think it was a save or lost type of relationship. I think it was a circumstance that happened. Yeah. A curiosity that may have been underlying, but a circumstance that happened, an opportunity she took because maybe there was more curiosity than she wants to admit. The marriage wasn't dead. Uh, no, no. <laughs> the marriage no. was never dead. It was something. Can I jump yeah. on something you said earlier about what your therapist you were talking to before said? I yeah. think the reason why that happens is because there's no communication because mm. people aren't communicating. So we're playing the roles until we're tired of playing the roles. And then we make choices. If these people had resources or if they came to people like myself, like people who are willing and able to, not just willing, but able to walk these people through the introspection that's required to be able to communicate. Again, the guise of the hot sex comes under the communication element. The guise is the hot sex, but it's communication that gets you there. If you're not communicating, Mm. you're not walking and processing through all the shit that's happened in your life. We don't even know what your relationship with your body and sex is compared to my relationship with my body and sex. And that's fundamental shit that nobody talks about. Yeah. So it's like, if we're not even talking about that, how the hell are we going to have a hot sex life? It seems like marriage is a lot of, you've got a role to fulfill as mother, as partner, as bill payer, as worker. Whereas it seems as though your connection is very much about sexual liberation and confidence and empowerment. And there really are no rules in this sense. Karma, you mentioned something earlier about breaking all the rules in the rule book or in the book. Did you mean your book or just the rule book in general, just generally speaking? Rule book. My book is about breaking the rules, but it's a rule book. Okay. Now, Joshua, obviously there came a point you guys had connected and was the relationship secret for a period of time and then eventually you had to let your husband know karma. Joshua, how did you help karma navigate that process and how long were you actually seeing each other before karma you went to your husband and told him what was happening? I'll handle this. (laughs) (laughs) So we had started seeing each other about a year and a half before the decision was made to tell the husband. And what happened was karma came in to do the story on religion and king. This Mm. was around the same time the Me Too movement was sweeping through the community. I had two accusations by two exes, which were false, but how do you disprove something didn't happen? Right? That's a whole different story. Mm. Karma, as a journalist, my intention was to get her into the space to open her and society to what BDSM is. Mm. Because if we can get exposure to the lifestyle, that's a win. This story fell into karma's lap. And that became the story, right? That's how the book came to pass is the book originated as a story about the Me Too movement mm. and the going-ons and what I was going through. Can you quickly explain what the Me Too movement is or was for people so the Me that Too don't movement, really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Me Too movement 
was a very justifiable and justified and necessary movement where mostly women, but it came across with men as well, the sex assault and sex abuse that they deal with for being in their workspaces primarily, where power exchanges were used and levied against them in order for them to be compliant or to be agreeable to sex acts or not, but they were silenced by the power, right? So is it wrong 100%? Are there bad actors and predators out there? Yes, because you saw what happened to them. They combusted. They were thrown to the wolves and they were devoured rightfully. Like, what's this guy? Weinstein, right? Mm. And uh, Ron Jeremy and all these fucking scumbags. Mm. It was necessary. What ended up happening is it became a tool and a weapon where people realize all I have to do is make an accusation. Because what happens when an accusation is made, no one asked the accused. The motto became believe the victim, which as a person who produces events for a decade, I believe the victim too. Mm. But what this lifestyle is built around integrity, Mm. what relationships should be built around integrity, what life should be built around integrity. In order for that to be existent, I have to go and ask the accused. Tell me your side. Because that's the right thing to do. Whether I like the guy or woman or not, that's the right thing to do. And that didn't happen to me. Yeah. Except for Karma, the journalist who interviewed me for Mm. hours and hours and hours. And she was the only person that came and asked me. Mm. So I developed deep feelings for someone who, regardless of the threat, gave me respect enough to have the conversation. And that's how my emotions developed for her to the point where I was willing to circumvent morals with ethics, meaning I only needed her consent. I didn't need her husband's consent. She needed her husband's ethically, Mm. but that's not true. The truth is I needed everyone to be on board. And that's how our relationship was built on a broken foundation. Mm. Now, we were giving ourselves permissions by omission and lying that we were no right for ours to take. And when you're living a double life, <laughs> take it from there, that's your story. Yeah. Let me give it back to you. What is it? So when you, I just want to understand what that moment was like when you went to your husband and said, is this the situation? And then how he kind of, you know, did he meet your husband with you and, how did your husband react? <laughs> was, That's why I looked at you. you all of that sort of stuff. And because obviously he's accepted it, how long was that process from start to finish? So for a long time, I was a journalist, mm. right? And he was a professional dominant. As a professional dominant, he was explaining the lifestyle to me and showing me stuff I was curious about and working to help me to introduce my husband to this lifestyle, which is what I wanted to do. As a journalist, I was asking questions and exploring a new field and interviewing him, basically, and Mm. sticking my professional cover. But we were both using our professions as sort of cover to get to know each other in a way. Right. We both had like an ulterior motive or another interest uh, deep down that went beyond the professional. And uh, at a certain point, he broke up with his partner, which kind of sent stuff into the turbo zone. It became very hard to hold on to the professional guys in that case. Is that what happened? Yes. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. When you broke up with your partner and suddenly everything came tumbling down for you. And it was a period of time where he was looking for a place to live. It wasn't clear what's going to happen to him. Where is he? Where is he going to go? No. And I I was like, listen, whatever you need. Yeah. No, I remember that. But what the turning point for that moment was, when you said you're a person of your word. Yeah. Because I talked about doing what's best, what's right for you and not sacrificing, blah, 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 and all that shit. I was talking, but I was staying with the ex. And you said you would take it all with a grain of salt. And then when I left her, you said you are walking the walk. Let me back that up and explain where that came from. Yep. He was with a partner. However, he was not very happy with that partner. Sure. They had a business together and he was living in her apartment and there was a lot of, Not dependency, but there was a lot of being here for practical reasons, rather for reasons of the heart and reasons of honestly wanting to be there. And Mm -hmm. as we became closer and began talking more and more, it became clear that he is unhappy and he feels all kinds of dissatisfaction in that Mm. relationship. 
you know, neglected, not heard, all kinds of like this relationship has actually ended. Yeah. In fact, and it was visible, but it was clear that he's there because convenience. Yep, we've all been there. Yeah. Yep. So it is what it is. So when he actually yep. said, okay, I got up, I left now, I have no home, I have no business, I gave up everything for that freedom, I was like, okay. So now that you did that, I always took what he said with a grain of salt because he was talking about being true to yourself and yada yada. But mm. I could see he's in a relationship he was unhappy with and staying there for the sake of convenience. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, okay. I hear you, but I don't see, <laughs> I, don't see I don't see it. <laughs> sure. And sure. when he did it, I was like, okay, I see it. I'm proud of it. I was proud of yeah, it. Yeah, I remember that. That meant a lot to me. To mm. me, it was just from that point on, it was a little more honest. And it gave me a sort of opportunity to take care of him and show him that I actually care for him. And he responded in kind. So it kind of blew off all the professional masks in a way. For sure. Hmm. How about that? You weren't aware? See, no. <laughs> he didn't read the book, huh? <laughs> But I didn't interpret it that way because she was adversarial. I was her point of advice, but she didn't yeah. trust my language, my words. So it got very difficult for her. And if you read the book, you can understand how difficult it got. So I don't want to give any plot twists away. But yeah. it got to the point where she was ready to take my advice and follow my lead. Mm. And that's the thing about dominance and submission. If you're going to ask me to lead you, let me lead you. Don't question every step that we're taking because you're just stunting our progress. If I have to convince you why to trust me, we shouldn't be here. At this point, it's earned, right? At least the ability to say, I trust you to lead. Right now, if I make a mistake, by all means, question. Right. If it conflicts with your morals, 100 percent stop. But give me the opportunity to prove myself over and over and over, as I have in order to have earned the dominant position already. Right. Like roll with it. So that's what I needed from her was compliance. And I'm going to mm. take it back. Take it back. Take okay. it back. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> At the point where we talked to my husband, right, yes. where I to my and now we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was me. We've known each other for a year and a half. After a long period of refraining from breaking my vows, it happened. And I was de facto cheating on my husband for about several months. Yeah. And cheating on somebody is as horrible an experience as being cheated on. 100%. It's lying and it's hiding and it's feeling terrible about yourself. It's like waking up in the morning and drinking a cup of poison every day and then just going through the day sick to your stomach and then doing yeah. it all over again tomorrow. Yeah. So at a certain point, self-harm became a coping mechanism for me. Wow. And at a certain point, I didn't feel I could trust Master Joshua because he has other women. And I saw myself as a, I mean, I was lying and cheating. Mm. And because I come from a very monogamous and very traditional point of view, I knew he had permission to be with many women at a time, but I didn't see how you could actually love many women at a time. And what, as I saw it, he was just cheating on all of us with each other. And we yeah. kind of gave him permission because we had no choice. Yeah. So that's how I viewed him. So I couldn't trust him. And I viewed myself as a lying cheater, which, you know, I was doing it. So and in a way, that change? give me a sec. <laughs> and I came to him at some point and said, listen, I'm in danger of offing myself off here. I can't live this way. I can't get out of this relationship because it means too much to me. And I don't want to lose my family. And I just keep waking up every day in this mess of lies and deception. Sure. And I yep. don't know how to get out. I need help. Yeah. He said, okay, so what we need to do is... For you to tell your husband. And I said, I can't, I'm so scared. And he said, I am going to be there for you. I'm going to take responsibility for you. I'm going to be your dominant. Your problems are my problems from here on. Mm -hmm. But you have to do this step for us. And once you do it, you yep. will be mine. Yep. So yep. it was kind of like, you need safety. You need commitment. I will give them to you. Give me your trust. Reassurance. Yeah. Another thing about that is I grew up understanding and believing that if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you don't need a pat on your back. Right? You don't need a good job. Out of board. You don't need that. Yep. I believe if you're present with someone, you're present with it. It's like, look, I'm here, dude. This is the currency right here, right now. What I realized 
late in life is validation and affirmation are things everyone needs all the time. As often as you can give it to someone, fucking give it to them. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. What I also didn't know was acknowledgement of her commitment to me, of all the space that she held for me, of all the lies she was telling to be with me, Mm. any of it. To acknowledge it was super important to say, I'm committed to you just as you were committed to me. Mm. Would not have been easy. Dude, no, listen, man. Because I kick myself in the balls when I realize it's like, (laughs) fuck. She just wanted recognition. Yeah. Because for me, my time with you is the recognition. Mm. But that's me. Like, I'm on my own fucking planet. What she needed was, we are here together. And I am yours just as you were mine. But when I realized that, when it happened in that moment. What it sounds like, sorry, Joshua. There was a miscommunication with each other's love languages there. You know, you both communicate love in different ways. And that is often the case. A lot of couples roadblocks. Did you ever explore? I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. That's a perfect explanation. Well, it's something I've come to learn in the last year and a half of interviewing so many coaches. And once we understand the five different mechanisms around them and we know how to communicate that language to each other, because whether we like it or not, you and your partner might have things in common, but your love languages will always be different. And it's understanding how to honour those and how to deliver that whilst also having integrity for yourself and understanding how you like to receive that. Have you ever explored the love language side of things and then really thought, okay, this is how she likes to receive love. It's how I like to receive love and vice versa. See, yeah, I think he's kind of like made a profession out of it. <laughs> After no, I was, a, I was a prototype in a way. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Truth be told, no, for myself, because I don't have the attention span for that shit. I need you to understand how I love you. If you're going to be in my life. Yeah. And this is what I can do because some of it are gifts. That shit gives me anxiety. Mm. I didn't want people to buy me birthday gifts. So I didn't have to buy them birthday gifts for 30 years, Mm. 20 years Mm -hmm. because of the anxiety of what the fuck do I buy this person? I don't want that shit. It's like, this is how I operate. However, you having said that I'm going to take it to the drawing board and I'm going to give it my best shot because my partners deserve that as well. Sure. It has been anxiety-inducing trying to learn things that I don't know, right? Because yeah. I function very particularly. And I can't say about teaching an old dog new tricks because that's not what it's about. Yeah. But it's like I function a certain way. Yeah. And I would love to give you from me as opposed to me adapting to you. That being said, we went through that. We did go through that about when COVID started. He sat down with a questionnaire and was like, what's your love language? Mm. What makes you feel loved? He did his due diligence. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I covered a really good episode on it with one of my coaches and it was such a fun and educational episode. If you want that link, let me know because that there, it's just I awesome. Would, uh, yeah. yeah. Without Absolutely. boring you guys, like I think it just opens everyone's eyes about, oh, wow, you know, you accepting that Joshua will just be the man of acts of service. Like he's going to show up and do stuff for you, you know, and karma, you like to receive, you know, words of affirmation, (laughs) stuff like that. And once you understand that, it's like, it's not about trying to change a person. It's about going, well, I'm just going to love the shit out of them for how they are, because you know what? We fulfill each other in the yin and yang way. We're not meant to be exactly the same. And that's where I think understanding that at its core, it's a light bulb moment, right? As educated as you both are. Yeah. No, I I, I really really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, Joshua, back to you. So how many other relationships do you have and how do you actually manage your time between everyone? So I have five partners. I have Mm. five different relationships. They all vary. To one degree or another, they're all types of power exchanges where there's a dominant and submissive. I have a nesting partner who I lived with and who is the most intertwined in my life on many, many, many levels. She, in many ways, is the dominant to me. She's like my mama bear. And she has given me safety for five years. She's Mm. given me nurturing and love and affection and patience because, you know, we don't become adults into our mid thirties easily, right? There's Mm. this whole guise of this whole idea of 18 and 21 and all this fucking nonsense negative. She met me just as I was coming out of the vagina, life vagina (laughs) into adulthood. And she gave me the space to find my manhood. This slave karma who 
helped me through that really tough time of who am I and what is my character mm-hmm. when all of that shit was getting questioned. She held me to a higher standard and showed me what accountability looks like until today, right? She does this shit all the time. She keeps me on my toes. Mm-hmm. There's my slave, Mary, who I met as a client and we worked with each other for a year and her dedication to turning her life around was so motivating and inspiring. It's like the faith and commitment that she put into me was mind blowing because it's like she believed in what I was leading her with. And when you see someone turn their life 180 degrees, how can I not commit myself back to them? Sure. And it's been an incredible relationship. I have my baby girl, Shweta. We've known each other for about eight years. Mm. And Shweta and I took a break for about a year and a half with the crazy ex. I mean, the ex. (laughs) (laughs) And she has helped validate me in who I am, in what I do as a human being. She's a psychologist. She's a brilliant woman. And she's helped validate my progress in life. Then there's my submissive, Evie, who we met three years ago. I'm making cringing faces. I'm horrible with dates. Yeah, but we had to keep up. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> it's hard it's to like keep up with one like, Wait, wait, I'm taking notes. Who's that? How long? What's that? You have and, to uh, keep a diary like Charlie's Angels, sort. but like five of them and another. Yeah, she that's a lot of work. My, my first real adult relationship, right? Mm. Because after the accountability and touching all the irons that I have with catch and karma, Evie was on the receiving end of my maturity. Mm. I was like, she let me do all the hard work. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to like break that. And then she just waltzes. <laughs> she gets the best like, parts. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> after, forget it. No, no friends. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, she also helps me unload my brain creatively because yeah. she has the gift of that stuff. So it's like each relationship helps me become the best version I can for myself mm. and for my partners and for society. And I'm lucky and I count my fucking blessings because I don't wish polyamory on my worst enemy. Yep. But if you put in the fucking work and if you lead with always trying to do the best that you possibly can, the sky is the limit. You know how they say Mm. one plus one is three? And I've been talking about this all the time. One Mm. plus one is three, right? It's you, it's me, and then it's us two together. That Mm -hmm. makes three. Mm. This multiplier of us six is 720. Imagine you get us under one roof onto a project. We're going to blow that shit out of the water because we trust each other. We respect each other and we're in it. We're committed to it, right? It's like we can create the unimaginable. So it's like the sacrifice and the suffering is worth it. But not everyone can deal with it. I have no idea how I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, (laughs) it would be a lot of responsibility for a couple to try and bring out the best in one person because a one individual can bring so much to the table. But one person alone probably can't bring out all those parts. And when we did our pre-interview, I pressed you guys with some pretty full-on questions, right? And I backed you both into a bit of a corner. And that was just me trying to unravel my monogamous brain, right? And then I had some time to really think about it. And there's science or there's information out there that suggests that human beings are actually not designed for monogamy. Society has put us in that bucket right? Or religion or whatever you want to call it. And that we have to be and act a certain way. I believe monogamy has its place and I respect it. And what I've seen, and it's unfortunate, is the painting of monogamy as a bad thing. Because in this lifestyle, as people are trying to explore and really reach out, people who are monogamous are being made to feel bad for being monogamous. Now, it's like, imagine if all you have is the ability to put trust and faith into one person at a time to engage in these very vulnerable situations, right? Because you only tell your therapist all your shit. You don't tell everybody all your shit. So it's like, if you think about that level of vulnerability, are these people who are being poly being as vulnerable as monogamous people? I think he's speaking from a point of view of somebody who's active in a society or a sub-society that really, in which monogamy is not the rule, in which monogamy is the opposite of the rule. It's Mm -hmm. a minority within the king community that opt for monogamy. For Mm. me, I would say I did not opt for non-monogamy. I did not opt for polyamory. I did not opt to be one of six. 
or five or whatever. I keep losing. <laughs> I keep yeah. losing count. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> mm. I did not choose that. What I chose was him. And what it taught me is that there's a certain flexibility in regards to the life situations you're in. And actually, you can just make stuff work no matter if it is inherent or not inherent. Or as in, if it's not inherent, it won't work. If it's not natural to me, right? Mm. I've seen it. I've came to points where I'm like, okay, this is not for me. I won't Mm. do it. I can't do it. I'm not doing it. And I didn't do it because it just didn't sit with me in a way that I could uh, continue living with. Just like cheating, for example. It took me a while, but I got to that point where I was like, no. And on the other hand, there was sort of like situations where you're like, I don't know about being, you know, part of this group of women For sure. <laughs> that all have uh, sexual relationships with you. Yeah. But as we go along and as we all say, okay, everybody is staying. We all want to stay with Joshua. We all want to be friends with each other. We all want mm. to have good relationships in our life, right? We don't want to go around feeling anger and anxiety and jealousy and cattiness all day because the reality is there's more of one of us that's just the way it is so we grow our hearts to be like okay so you're my partner and they're my family and Mm. this is a tribe and Mm. we think differently it's just switching a route in your head Mm. it's just saying like reality is not one and one and Mm. everybody else is out of it reality for us is several of us in a relationship in which he is to me, but the others are also part of it. Yeah. Right? We go to birthdays together. We celebrate each other's birthdays. Okay, cool. His submissives help me set up my kid's birthday. My friends. So they've met your husband, the girls? Yes. All his women, all his partners have met my husband, yes. Yeah, so when you have birthdays, Joshua, you're there, the husband, the kids, like it's one big family, pretty much? Depending, depending on what logistics looks like. We'll call it that. Em and I, we've met each other a couple of times, a handful of times. I personally would love a closer relationship with him because my intention with karma is to make her the best wife and mother that she can be. Mm. to give her the support so that she can do that and knock it out of the park because that's important for her. And she's given me support in ways that have been important for me. I don't want to take her away from him. I want us to celebrate the woman that she is together. My husband and I have reached the sort of agreement we reached is sort of you do what you need to do. Yep. So don't ask, don't tell in essence. Gotcha. Yep. So while I have his permission and and a certain amount of goodwill towards the people who are involved in my life, it is limited to respect my space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you don't share the intimate details with your husband, just he doesn't want to know or are you reluctant to kind of share that? What's that dynamic sort of feel like? I'd be happy to share were he curious or mm. open to it? He's given me his permission and mm. he is amicable with the permission that he's given, as in he doesn't resent me yeah. for doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. He did, but he doesn't anymore. Sure. He's come to peace with it. I mean, I published a book and I published this book called uh, Surviving Master Joshua, the BDSM Memoir of an Unfaithful Wife with his permission yeah. and with his blessing. Because he said, and I came to him and I asked him, everything that happened is right here. And he said, protect my identity, but go ahead. If you have a book and you think it's a good book, go ahead. Mm. So he gave me his permission, but he does yep. not want to read the book or know the details. Well, I don't okay. blame him. Does he have permission to see other people? He does. He currently is not interested in it, but mm. if he ever goes there, I'll be like, I'll give him my full support. I'll be a wingman. Hey, I'll, I'll help him. <laughs> but um, such an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it's just so interesting. And it would have been really hard for him to come to the party on this one. So, I mean, in a way, I mean, what a good husband to have allowed you that space to give you guys that opportunity. 
I've got a couple more questions and then we'll wrap it up. But we'll just sort of keep them a bit tighter, right? So do you guys get jealous of each other at all, ever? Of each other's of partners each other or, or for each other? Well, the partners, you know, the other partners. Obviously, Joshua's got more partners involved. Was that hard to accept at first? You know, did you get jealous initially and then you sort of accepted it, Karma? I'll jump on it while she thinks about that because I know she has an answer around the tip of the tongue, so you can hold that. I get jealous around the idea of an emergency, that something bad happened to Karma, I wouldn't have access to her. Mm. And it's not even a jealousy, it's a fear. And it's a concern. It's not jealousy. I need it to be so that should something ever happen, I can be there too, mm. to support and the kids and the family in whichever way I can. And mm. we can be there for each other because she's very important to me. No. And I would hate to not have access if there was a scenario that if I needed to. Sure. I felt that. That was pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was jealous of everybody. Yeah, initially. I, uh, it took me a while to understand that I thought everybody would be jealous of everybody and that that's just how everybody operates and that jealousy is inherent. It actually is something that caused somewhat of a deterioration in the beginning in me and my husband is the fact that he let me go alone. I was like, how are you not jealous for me? How can you let anybody else look at me or touch me? How can you let me explore on my own? Aren't you mm. jealous? Don't you love me? Yeah. I thought I equated those. I thought they came together. For me, they do. Because you wanted him to be a part of that, right? Initially, you wanted to explore that life with him. Is yes, that right? In the, in, yeah. In the beginning, yes. Joshua's yeah. a beautiful brown eyes filled that gap pretty fast. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh... now, Joshua, do you love everyone deeply? You know, is that half the battle because you do love everyone so deep? That's the double-edged sword, right? Mm. Is that I love openly. Unless you fuck me over, I love you, right? And love is defined in many ways. I think the most accurate way I've heard it recently is by acceptance. Love equals acceptance. Like I accept you as you are. And that's a form of love too, right? So I love on a wide, wide angle, wide range. What is it that's different between my partners and anyone else? I want to have the life experiences with them, right? The things that I do, I want to share them with them. Mm. because I know that they'll enjoy it with me and of me and for me and me of them and for them. And it's going to vary. And it's not always going to be the same thing for, I couldn't take all of them to everything. Yeah. But these are important things that I love doing and I love experiencing and I want to share them with you or with you and you. Yeah. And let's just exist in our own skin, being ourselves and we can fuck, right? <laughs> it's yep. like, yep. I just want to exist and share successful moments with people who support me, who I can also rely on and know they'll be there if they can be there, right? Without sure. the pressure of you must be there because that's also the killer's expectation. What if their own priorities supersede your priorities for that moment? I have to be okay with that. I have to be okay with, oh my God, I'm feeling so lonely and withdrawn from you, Karma. Can I see you tonight? And if she says, no, I have to be okay with that. Right, because that's also the maturity of this. Because God, if I can't have what I envision right now, when that day comes, everything will be different. But until that day comes, I try to put all my time into where I want to be, when I want to be there, with sure. who I want to be. Yeah, it's because not like we, a set of thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like you go. Every week it changes, so it's not like particular days you catch up with your partners. Fucking motherfucking every day it changes. Every yeah. day it changes. My life is fucking bananas. I recently went down the ADHD rabbit hole. You know how mm. they have like 100 things and like if you connect with 85 of them, you have ADHD. I connected with like 99 of them. The only one I didn't connect <laughs> with was road rage. And that's because I don't drive. But I take the train here and I have train rage if that translates the same. Right? So it's like, shit, look. I even forgot. What was the question? <laughs> it's actually yeah. funny that you are involved in polyamory because those people with ADHD get overwhelmed quickly. Yes, but they also do have a statistical tendency to seek out more than one partner. Wow. Yeah. Polyamory is a lifesaver for ADHD. Yeah. And, oh, and it's like, say. my goal, fuck this, my goal 
is to have a mansion where we all live under one roof yep. and we all support each other in our own life's dreams. Crazy, right? Who to think? Who to thunk? You Something have not, that- baby. You have not. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a guy here on the Gold Coast. He's called the Candyman and he has a wife and then he has multiple girlfriends and multiple parties and he owns a famous cigarette shop brand and he just has all these big parties and he uses that as a way to promote the business and you know he just waltzes around you know the Gold Coast with all these women and it's like one of those lifestyles that a lot of guys will look at that and go what a champion you know like look at the life that this bloke lives it's just unreal you know and a lot of the time we're again we're either confused by it or we fantasize about it and then we don't know if it's even okay to think that that would be a lifestyle, right? So this kind of leads me into my next question. A lot of people listening are either going to frown at the idea of poly relationships or be somewhat keen to explore more if they're currently in relationships. What would be some of the education for the listeners to help them navigate the possibilities of managing multiple relationships and the benefits and perhaps some of the challenges as well? Do what's natural, not what's normal, right? Mm. So. If you feel overwhelmed by more than one partner, don't fucking do it. If you want to explore more than one partner, do it. Mm. Understand that integrity, forget about your partners. Are you being honest and truthful with yourself first and foremost? Go do some fucking introspective work. Go do some psychedelics. Go meet some people like me, some professionals within the realm of identity and ask them questions because no one had this sit down conversation with you about who am I? No one sat you down and asked you, who are you? What do you believe in? What do you practice? What do you have faith in? What do you feel? No one asked you. Go do that work before you want to bring anyone else into your fucking unfiltering of your identity in Mm. relationship. Mm. That's the most important thing. Before you jump into relationships, ask yourself, because you know and I know that you're not being honest with yourself. We know that. Do the honest work, introspective work. Who am I? Because... At this, if you're listening to this, you've probably discovered every adult is faking it. Everyone's winging it. No one ever sat us down and said, this is the book of life and this is how you do shit. Everyone is winging it based off of everyone else they're watching. Understand yourself and how you operate and how people perceive you, because that's also important is how are people receiving you? Forget about what you think about yourself. That shit means nothing. Yeah. What matters is how are you being received by the people you're connecting with? If you're connecting with people with intention of taking, unfuck yourself. Go back to the drawing board and do more introspective work because the purpose of the human experience is to connect authentically. Starting with yourself is the first step, but no one taught us how to do this shit. Seek it out. Mm. Mentorship, pay for it, invest into your life Mm. because no one else is going to do that shit for you. Totally. Come on, I can see the attraction. You know, when <laughs> when you meet someone who's so self-aware, and even though you said earlier, Joshua, you're still figuring shit out, as we all are, it sounds like you're an ongoing student in the book of life, which is great. But it's also giving other men permission to be vulnerable and be dominant where it needs to happen. Can I make one more suggestion, please? Sure. For the men, listen, dude, listen. No one gave you permission to play with yourself in the ways you want to. You buy doggy pads and trucks, right? Trucks are the things where the dogs piss on. You buy lube, use the Crisco because it works in its natural or coconut oil and buy latex gloves and explore your own fucking body. Give yourself permission to do it in all the ways that you're ashamed of because no one will ever say do it. I'm telling you do it because you need to do it. Because when you get curious in midlife crisis and you're like, listen, I need you to stick something in my butt. I need you to be able to tell them how to do it. Mm, So, man, give yourself permission to explore your body because it's fucking necessary. Mm. Thank you, Amanda. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's okay. That's all right. Let's go on to the book very quickly. Then we'll wrap it up, guys. How successful has the book been for you so far, Karma? It made me happy and it did not challenge my boundaries of anonymity. So I'm very happy with the results. And the feedback she's gotten (laughs) and the impact that she's had on all the readers emotionally and as they are going through their human experience has been 
hugely impactful. Can you comment on that a little bit, please? <laughs> Didn't you already? <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. It's been a journey. It's been a good journey. And I've got a lot of positive feedback from people whose lives it touched. And it reaffirmed to them that you can go through something where you lose yourself yep. and you won't lose everything. You could find yourself again. You just yeah. have to stick to your own principles. I like the integrity that what you guys bring to the table. You know, didn't know how this chat was going to go today. But what I like is that you both honor each other and you are true to yourself. And I think a lot of people listening can take something away from that is to really start being honest with themselves, which I think a lot of people in marriages are not, sadly. So there's a lot of respect that is being had here. Even though you're seeing multiple partners, there's no secrets. Like I said, a lot of married people can take away things from this today and whether they choose to explore polyamory or just choose to communicate better, you know, there's definitely something. But more importantly, I think everyone needs to grab a hold of that book. So for the listeners, and I will have it in the show notes below, where can people get the book from? Amazon, but that's in the US. I will have to give you the notes for where you can get it in Australia. The name of the book is Surviving Master Joshua, the BDSM Memoir of an Unfaithful Wife by Karma Set. Best thing to do is Google it and then the venue will pop off. Or survivingmasterjoshua.com. That's our website. There are venues there that are operative in Australia. I'm not sure about Amazon, but possibly. Cool. Do you guys have events in Australia? No, well. Not yet. (laughs) Do you mind if I do a quick plug? Yeah, for sure. Go for it. So masterjoshua.com, kinkcollective.net, that's k-i-n-k-collective.net, ssdce.org, that stands for Sanctuary for Spiritual Development and Consciousness Expansion. And all of these modalities are built around introspection and how do we get unstuck? How do we move forward in life in understanding ourselves? Mm -hmm. There's an intensive that I host called People Before Kink, and we're looking to expand that into other non-kink-related modalities around introspection on belief, purpose, and intention. We have an intensive called People Before Kink, however, which we're looking to take internationally. So if you folks out in Australia have a venue or a desire for it, we would absolutely love to bring out to you our introspective journey through the lens of BDSM out to you guys too. If anyone, I offer free 30-minute consultations to help folks understand or determine whether this lifestyle is for them. They yeah. can reach me through my website, masterjoshua.com, and just tell them that they heard me through your podcast, and I'd be more than happy to sit with them and just help them navigate some of these questions. Sounds amazing. All right, I'll have all of those links below. I just had a quick look, make sure I had all those links, which will all be in the show notes. Come on, Joshua, I just want to thank you for your time, your presence, your honesty today. It's been wonderful. And for those of you, you listening, that's okay. No problem. You know, I would love to just keep in touch. And if you ever want to do things in Australia, definitely please let me know. So with that said, guys, I just wanted to thank you for tuning in. And if today's episode truly resonated with your current phase in life, please give us a five-star review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Share this to your stories and tag me on Instagram at amanda.m.nicholas. And be sure to reach out to Joshua and Karma and mention that you heard of them through the Empowered Women's Podcast. Come on, Joshua. Thanks again for coming on today. Thank you so much. Have a good day.